Hello, this is Bryce, and you are currently listening to the first episode of The Junk Drawer. You will hear us say in just a moment that it's the second episode, but the first episode has been lost to history, and perhaps at one point in the future we'll release it. But anyway, thanks for listening, and here is episode one of The Junk Drawer on the great film Daredevil. Welcome to The Junk Drawer. I remember seeing that as a kid thinking, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt sees the tweet and replies, watch it again, it's mostly Tom's fault. I'll give you 20 minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all that you need to do is shoot guns and have sex. Oh my That's god. Why. Here's why. You know the differences between y'all and me? I make this look good. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. All right, so. We are here for the second weekly episode of The Junk Drawer. First episode since it's been called that. It's a good name change. I am here with Mario Arica. How you doing? I'm good. It's and good. It's also, good to be back. Also working the keys and productions values are our good friend Cole Brown. How goes it? Cole is, Cole is here to offer his thoughts on the cinematography of today's oh, film. Oh, God. So, new name, Junk Drawer. Uh, really uh, came to us without any reason. But I really like it because it, as someone who loves movies, and I feel like Mario and I love movies in a very different way. Um, I, I, well, for the record, I love good movies. So Junk Drawer reminds me of the feeling of when you go to Walmart or Target and you get that $5 bin or even the $3 bin and you're just digging for some treasures. Walmart has a $3 bin? Walmart has a $3 bin. I won't go into a Walmart, yes, so, so I won't. No. So, uh, to, to be determined if Junk Drawer is just the name for the segments where I get to pick the movies that I like from those bins, or just the name for the general show as a whole. But we'll see. So, uh, Mario bequeathed me the hosting duties for this second episode. And as, as I was thinking about what movie should I pick, as a, as a lover of movies, what movie best epitomizes... Be before you reveal the film, Bryce, I just want to preface that I gave you this as a platform to pick an awesome movie and this and Bryce is Bryce delivered. Well, well <laughs> let the listeners decide. Go ahead. So I always describe my movie love and similar to my love of food because I'd also say I love food and some people say they love food and they're like oh I'm a foodie so I only need like fancy hipster restaurants. <laughs> and so like I love food but I love a $50 steak with the same passion oh. that I love an 89 cent taco. And today's movie is the uh, 89 cent taco of films. I actually prefer the 89 cent taco. There you go. It's not fly to movies. All right, welcome to this movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, today's movie. Fate deals young orphan Matt Murdock <laughs> oh, a gosh. strange hand when he is doused with hazardous waste. The accident leaves Matt blind, but also gives him a heightened radar sense that allows him to see far better than any man. Years later, Murdoch has grown into a man and become a respected criminal attorney. But after he's done with his day job, Matt takes on a secret identity as the man without fear, the masked avenger that patrols the neighborhood of Hell's Kitchen and New York City to combat, combat the injustice that he cannot tackle in the courtroom. We're talking about 2003's Daredevil. God. So, there's, there's a line in there about he's a criminal attorney and what, he's just that one scene with the, the crime stuff when they're in a trial, very inaccurate. <laughs> very, very inaccurate. 
On what basis would you have that? The witness is badgering the victim and shedding light on her character, which you can't do as a witness. The attorney can only do that if he's opened the door and he did not open so, that door. Um, let's but, let's know. start from the beginning. So All right. we'll start with our rating. So Great. on a scale of 0 to 100, 100 being the best, 0 being the worst, what do you evaluate? Yes. <laughs> You're going to be real mad when I go through this whole part. <laughs> but what do you evaluate yeah. 2003's Daredevil as? Okay, so for starters, one thing we had to do when watching this movie was remove ourselves from the knowledge of the Netflix show. Yeah. Because that was one of Marvel's greatest creations. It is a great embodiment of the character. It was shot beautifully, cast beautifully, acted beautifully. It's phenomenal. So going in, you have to you have to set that apart, which I did. I watched it in three parts because I could not get through the film. Um, it was tough to find positives. I, you're going to think this is way off base, or I'm being dramatic, because I gave Casino Royale 100%. Which seems high. Which does seem high. Um, I'm going to give this movie a solid 14%, and I think that's generous. You are going to be very disappointed when we get into the reviews. It is going... Um, it's it's an abomination. Um, it's, it's disastrous. It's a dumpster fire in every sense of the word. It's not enjoyable, and it's not rewatchable. It's bad. <laughs> Cole, what do you have? What's your score? Uh, I think my score is a little more close to an accurate understanding of the movie. <laughs> uh, I feel like, observationally, I'm able to attune to some elements that maybe Mario's looking past and just his, Ouch. I'll call it movie ignorance. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, so I'm way up there. Not way up there, though. Uh, I'd give it an 80%. Oh, my That's God. Fine. Here's why. Again. We, he's got to be off the show. Here's why. <laughs> My basis for movie level of love okay. is whether or not I enjoyed the movie. If I enjoy a movie, typically it's going to be above 60%. If I enjoy it and have some reasons why I enjoy it, that's going to then chop it up a few more levels. But let me ask you this. Are you capable of identifying a movie as bad, but still you're able to enjoy it? Correct? You can do that. Yes, yeah. but there's very few movies that I would agree are both bad and that I enjoy. Okay. Typically, if I don't enjoy it, I would categorize it as a bad movie. Because 80% puts it in, like... It's a B-. minus. Potential Oscar talks. No, not quite. All right. Sub-Oscar level. You're going to love some of these reviews, I'm telling you. So, oh. um, I'm giving it a solid C-, minus. so 70 was my rating. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 44. So... What? Closest to the pen is, goes to me. Just What did you have it? I'm sorry. 70. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Metacritic has it at a 42. Uh, the summary from Rotten Tomatoes is, while Ben Affleck fits the role and the story is sporadically interesting, Daredevil is ultimately a dull, brooding origin story that fails to bring anything new to the genre. The word brooding seems the most fair word there. But let me give you some reviews. You're going to lose your mind. Okay. Uh, we'll start with Roger Ebert. Oh, yes. Famously, Roger Ebert. Um, three out of four stars, which is the same rating he gave to The Godfather Part 2. Just uh, throwing we, that out there. We gotta stop this podcast. <laughs> you just compared Daredevil to The Godfather Part 2. I'm just two. noting the similarity of his rating system for those two films. True. Uh, some other reviews. Houston Chronicles' Bruce Westbrook considered it the best Marvel movie to date. It's as well-written and character-driven as some of today's Oscar contenders, and its story doesn't stall 
with hollow flamboyance. I but know he, you're going to get... He wrote this in 2003, right? Yes, he wrote it when it came out. So, to date, what was it going against? So, there, this was the fifth movie. So, they had had Blade, Spider-Man, okay. X-Man, and Blade 2. So, he says it's better than all four of those movies. Was better than Spider-Man? Yeah. A number of critics thought it was better than Spider-Man. It was the natural comparison. The two big Marvel movies, yeah. basically. Um, I mean, X-Men, obviously, is big, too, but it's not driven by one single hero. Um, and then, lastly... The Austin Chronicles' Kimberly Jones praises the film, actors, and felt that in, though an unproven director, Johnson has just signed his meal ticket with this marriage of big brains, big brawn, and most happily, big hearts. So she was a big she, fan of the direction. She was wrong. We'll get into the, the other movies this guy's directed <laughs> a little bit later. So those reviews bring me to uh, my next question, okay. category number two. Uh, as a film being featured on the junk drawer, are we sure Daredevil's bad? It's... It's bad, and I'll tell you why it's bad. It has no direction. It has no plot for more than half of the movie. There's so many holes in this film that they fail to connect the antagonist to the protagonist in any way that would make it believable that Daredevil is out to get Fisk. It's shot horribly. Um, it's green screen, and that's probably a product of 2003. Like, CGI has not aged well. It's cast abysmally. It's horribly cast, and it's horribly acted. So, no, we are not wrong. We can have it on the junk tour because this is a podcast about movies in general. But it is not good. It is not good. Roger Ebert was high when he when he wrote that. I don't. I just I can't even fathom a response to that. <laughs> What do you think, Cole? You think this is fair to have? Like, what do you think? It's a good. Oh. I don't think it's a. It's not a great movie, but it's not a bad movie. What do you consider a great movie? That's just for the listeners. Let's compare this here. There's lots of great movies. So you gave this an eighty. What would be like your upper nineties? Um, like Transformers Five. <laughs> uh, you know things like. Shawshank Redemption are really, really great movies. Okay. Um, I think other ones in this kind of genre of superhero movies, there's plenty of really, really great superhero movies. Most of those I feel like that I love the most exist in more recent years. Because they're good. They're really good. Yeah. I think they also have the benefit of, you know, eight years more of technology in the world of CGI and effects. True. Um, so, like, I wonder what this would look like if it was made today. I think it would be far more... We have it. ...swallowable. It's amazing. Well, the show doesn't get to do the same things this movie yeah. attempts to do. Yeah. The show, just, the show just dodges around them on purpose. So. True. And one thing in particular, the fact that Daredevil swings from building to building, like in the comics, I think it was a great choice um, from the writers of the TV show to get rid of that because it's hard to do that in live action with a character like Daredevil. And it fails miserably in the movie. Not only because of CGI... Doesn't hold up. Forget about that. Like you said, in 2003. For me, it just, it's just so weird to see Daredevil jumping off a skyscraper well, and tacking onto something at the last sec. It just, it's hard to watch. So it does, it does tie into the CGI, which all the parkour stuff is CGI, which just get a stunt double, especially when you have a guy in a mask, it's easy to get a stunt double. Leather mask. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop across major streets in New York City. That's a that's a 45-foot-long jump that he's yeah, making. It, was... it, it is a little bit absurd. They they can't decide if they want Daredevil to have real superpowers 
or just be a really strong person. Yeah. Right. I still think this is this represents a time in superhero movies where they kind of were still I don't know, they're still comic booky enough that they were trying to like mirror what they were doing in comic books. Rather than you start seeing movies like The Dark Knight where it became like hyper realistic in in a way, it's still a superhero. No, you're but right. they're trying to make physics match up with yeah. what they're doing way more so. It was as if if this character existed in real real life, real time, right. what would happen? Ben Affleck Spoiler, he's Daredevil in this movie. Ben Affleck, you know, him doing a 20-foot vertical, little less, you know, commonplace. As a blind man. Yeah. That doesn't bother me, but... <laughs> that's part of the superhero. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying, like, you have to buy into that, that that's not going to be realistic, obviously. So we are in somewhat agreement. It's not a great movie, but uh, Mario, obviously, a little bit further down hey, that Hey, change my mind, guys. I um, mean... So let's, let's get into the next category. So... My question is, if it's bad, which we've kind of decided that it's not good, uh, what do you change? What one thing? So one thing. So Mario, don't do the thing where you're like, I change everything. Hmm. What no. one thing yeah. can you change? What's the most efficient yeah. fix? All um, right. So I did have two things because they go hand in hand. Okay. The director. Okay. Um, it does, the, the director, you said it was Johnson? Yeah. Uh, let me double check the name real fast here. Um, the director really doesn't put his stamp on it. There's nothing that stands out that would say, oh, this, this director directed it. Um, there was really no, I don't think, any creative vision. I think it was more of a studio movie. Studio was like, hey, direct these scenes, put them together. This is our IP, and that's the movie. So I think you get a different director. So just real quick, the director's name is Mark Steven Johnson. Also wrote the screenplay. So he, he definitely okay. has some say in what's going on here. Yeah. Here is other director credits. He was an idiot, yeah. Simon Birch his first director debut. Yeah. Uh, then Daredevil in 2003. 2007's Ghost Rider. Oh my god, that, just stop there. 2010's Win in Rome. 2013's Killing Season. And most recently, 2017, Finding Steve McQueen. So I think Ghost Rider would be a great comparison to this movie. That's also one of the worst Marvel films, in my opinion. Um, anyways, I digress. So I think you change the director... Someone with more pedigree. He had one movie under his belt. It was an odd choice. Um, and then I think the cast. I really was. I really did not like the cast of the movie. I think the best character in the movie, by far, he acted circles around everyone else, was John Favreau as Foggy, which he only mentions himself as Foggy Nelson more than halfway through the movie. So it's kind of odd. It's like, did they not have the rights when they started shooting? Um, he's horribly miscast, though. I think he's a horrible Foggy. He doesn't really represent the character what the character embodies but he did with what he had he made the most of it and he put he has a successful performance um but Affleck wasn't compelling uh that review that said the word brute one thing I love about Charlie Cox is Daredevil in the tv show and I'll try not to go on that path too much but he's brute he's so physical with the role and he looks like a guy who can take an ass beating get up and keep fighting Ben Affleck was like, he's kind of skinny in the movie. Um, he just has no real charisma as Matt Murdock, in my opinion. Um, the Kingpin, uh, what was the guy? What was Michael that? Clark Duncan. Not a, not a bad choice, but again, no idiosyncrasies that Fisk has. Like Vincent D'Onofrio was able to capture the TV show. He was very vanilla with the performance. Colin Farrell was just an animated caricature of himself mixed with what he wanted a bad guy to be. I thought that was poor, and then Jennifer Gardner, they just she was just Jennifer Gardner 
fighting. Like she didn't, she wasn't all after the character. She didn't bring that out at all. Um, so I think you change the cast. I think you change the director. I think they accomplish a lot more with than what they were trying to accomplish. I think they they can get some things done. So some some disagreements there. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, I think, is killing it. He is so menacing. He is yes. when he takes his finally takes his jacket off. He is massive and intimidating and scary. Uh, I heard he, he stood on like boxes when he was towering over some of the other actors. To it make makes sense. Look, yeah, it's how the some of the scenes look. Every interaction he has with Electra's dad is he's really threatening in a very kingpin way. Okay. The, the first interaction between them just ends with him saying, "How's your daughter?" And it's like very scary. And the next time he says, "I'm just saying goodbye, old friend." Yeah. Uh, and, and the guy playing Electra's dad is is really hamming it up. Colin Farrell. This might not be a popular opinion. No, it's not. Is it Colin Farrell? That's his name? Yeah, yeah, Colin Sorry. Farrell. Colin Farrell. Sorry, shouts out to him. Um, this might be an unpopular opinion. Uh, I watched the movie with Cole, and my comparison was, it would be like if a football team came into a game, and their strategy for the game was they were only going to run trick plays the entire game. <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to work, but I'm super excited to watch it. And that's how I feel watching Colin Farrell the entire time. Like He is just going ape shit in this movie. Yeah, he's going 110% when he doesn't have to at every scene. But I love it. Like, it's incredible to watch him just oh. make the weirdest choices as an actor in this movie. <laughs> at one point, I, he is about to kill Daredevil later in the movie. He looks like he has, like, an orgasm. Can I say, I don't know. Are we going to say, say orgasm? You can say orgasm. orgasm. It's on there. He We're looks saying. like he has an orgasm at the thought of killing Daredevil. It is weird but I'm into it. I'm yeah. so into it. I, uh, I couldn't... Go ahead, Cole, sorry. It's campy, but, like, I think... I'm, I'm in the same boat of, like, I like it that way because there's so much of this movie that I think is attempting to be similar to an actual comic book. And so for him to be, like, overly animated and just, like, outside of his own mind with just the way that he is, you know, bullseye, I vibe with it. Like, the scene where he comes riding down New York... With on the top of his motorcycle, oh, gosh. and then it has his belt buckle of shurikens. Like that is <laughs> so a comic book bad guy. That's how a comic You're book right. bad guy comes into a scene. Seeing it from that lens gives a lot of levity to your guys' scores. If it's, it looks like a comic book movie, then they're they're hitting the nail on the head trying to make it look like a comic book movie. Which for me is hard to buy into because I'm so spoiled now with what we're used to, right? If I was a kid and watched it, maybe I loved it. I can't remember. Some of the dialogue, though, and let me get you guys' opinion on this, from Bullseye. There's one scene in particular where he Boy tries... Nuts. No, he tries <laughs> to kill um, Nacho, Nacho's... Uh, what's her, Mr. Electra? Nacho's, Electra's dad. Okay. And Daredevil, he throws something at Daredevil, one of the shooting stars or throwing stars. And Daredevil dodges it, right? Later on, he, when he's talking with Fisk, he's shaking disturbedly and he says, I missed. He made me miss. I never miss. I had to stop the movie because I said, this is, this is so bad writing. It's so unimaginably a bad guy. A His bad. only trope is that he never misses and now he's missed. Oh, just like we got that from the intro scene where he's hitting bullseye after bullseye. Like, did they have to tell us? But I mean, again, it's a show me, don't tell me, but they're doing the opposite. Tell me, don't show me. Uh, the, why is bullseye fixated on Daredevil? Because he made a miss. 
There's no other reason for him to just go a challenge. insane after Daredevil like he does, except for that. Now, it's, it's not the best way to explain his motivations, to just have him look into the camera and say it. I guess it's a simple way to get it, the point It gets across. the point across. So, my fix, quick fix, is um, you pointed out it's, it's a comic book movie. It existed before The Dark Knight, which I think is the best comic book movie. But also ruined so many comic book movies. And I know that's kind of like a snobby thing. To no, say. no, you're, you're right. I don't mean it. But it yeah, made you look at them with in a different light. No, I mean, every movie that came after that tried to be the Dark Knight. So, for example, every Superman movie that's come out since then has made Superman, who is one of my favorite superheroes, try to be this brooding, grim, dark hero. And that's not Superman. Superman yeah. is... The Boy Scout. Boy Scout. I do, Lovable, I do like Superman. super happy. That's what he should be. Yeah. And so every movie since it's kind of it's kind of messed up what movies are supposed to be. <clears throat> this movie is a little bit before that, but it does like the plot summary mentioned have that brooding nature to it, and it doesn't quite hit the darkness of the Netflix show or of the Dark Knight because it's two thousand and three, and so what was dark then was emo vibe, and so yeah. you see it in the Eminescent soundtrack, which. Shouts out to Wake Vanessa. Me up. When that Wake song comes on, my blood pressure still gets to like Horrible. 200 over 100. One my pulse scenes. quickens, but it it hasn't aged well. And that's also like kind of the you know he he has kind of like a goofy early 2000s haircut. It's kind of just like that vibe of yeah. like that angsty vibe instead of like the actually post grunge kind of want to stay grunge. It's but angsty rock. instead of gritty. And so yeah. I think if you could get rid of that and change the tone slightly, which I I don't know if that's one change, but if I had to pick one thing specifically, the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. See, I want to, real quick, a point you made, um, it didn't get as dark as the TV show. See, I don't think, I think one thing that the TV show did that made it so successful was it made it so simplistic. It had simple plot lines that collaborated to become this overarching theme that Kingpin, or Fisk, was the Kingpin of crime. He controlled these other crime outlets within Hell's Kitchen. And you saw the connection to him, the other crime syndicates, and then eventually to why Murdoch was so obsessed with him because he was the, the attorney side came out. This movie, going back to Michael Clark Douglas, that's his name, correct? Duncan. Michael, Duncan, Duncan, Michael Clark Duncan. Duncan. Um, yeah, he was effective in, in delivering those evil, sinister... You're right. I actually, it, it tweaked my memory. But what, what bothered me was... There was no real connection between him and Matt Murdock. There was like a, a rushed kind of plot line that he falls in love with Elektra and this guy's trying to implicate her dad as being the kingpin, which was a very brushed over plot line. Like, oh yeah, the money was like laundered through the dad. He was in charge of it. Oh wait, you're the real kingpin, Fisk. And that was it and they rushed it. So for me, I, I kind of give the credit or the discredit to him, which I should do because he didn't write the movie, but like, he didn't do a good job of convincing me that he is hating Daredevil. Like, this guy is a thorn in his side. I didn't get that at all until he shows up at his penthouse. Right. And that's just the argument for the idea, which is probably true. The whole concept of Daredevil works better as a TV show than a movie. So, you know, you have to rush things along a little bit more. True. Anyway, Cole, what, what, how do you fix it? Yeah. I mean, still on that same note, like, I think one thing they try to do, too, is when... Uh, Colin Farrell, as Bullseye, offers to kill Daredevil, Kingpin's response is, oh, many have said that before. What makes you any different kind of thing? So I think that's them also trying to tip, like, hey, he's been that thorn in my side because other people have tried to take care of him for yeah. me. And no such one's a quick thing. thing. I missed it. Yeah, such exactly. A quick, yeah. 
So for me, the one thing that changes to improve the movie, because here's, here's my, my issue. Daredevil's, like, essentially his superhero kit is that he's this insane martial arts expert. And there's a scene in the movie that is probably my least favorite scene in the movie that does the most justice to his martial abilities. Where we'll talk about it a little bit, but he, he has a little bout with Elektra in a school playground. Oh my god. But, <laughs> so for me, what changes the movie best is getting away from any CGI, maybe none of it at all, doing way more cable work, stunt double, and choreographed combat. Where you get to let Daredevil be who Daredevil is, which is like the show, the son of a boxer, this yeah. martial master. So have him have scenes where he's fighting other people with you know prowess, not just yeah. beating up goons. Like have somebody that he actually goes to bat with. Um, like his fights with Bullseye. If you watch the fight scene with Bullseye, it happens relatively quickly. Like they, he he's not feeling well because he's got you know a hole in his chest. He's, he's got a stab wound in the shoulder, which yeah, apparently yeah. he's dying from. He but. fights, he kind of climbs around, they, they trade blows for a second, but then ultimately he, you know, he ends it yeah. pretty quickly. There's never, like, scenes where he's just, like, you know... I don't I, agree with that. That's the sound effects of yeah. Mortal Kombat. Agree 100%. If they had combat like that in the movie, for, for what it was, it would have at least made it enjoyable to... Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'll put this movie on, I'm gonna fast forward to the cool combat scenes, but... For whatever reason, like you said, it was product of 2003. Let's throw as much CGI in this movie as we can. Right. And that kind of leads into the next thing. And so I didn't want to just call this topic worst scene because there might be worse scenes. But I want you to like think about what scene breaks the movie. Like, before, before we do that, Bryce, can we go... Sorry. No, no, casting what ifs because it it's kind of along the lines of okay. I would How change the cast. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is from the internet, which is, you know, the source of knowledge for everything. So actually, Colin Farrell auditioned for Daredevil. Well, what do you guys think about that? And Bullseye, Ben Affleck auditioned for Bullseye. What would the movie look like? I don't think Ben Affleck does good with Bullseye. I agree. Um, I think Colin Farrell can probably do Daredevil. So my thing with Colin Farrell, I, I do like Colin Farrell as an actor. Another Colin Farrell classic yeah. is uh, SWAT, which is... A potential future junk drawer movie. <laughs> um, Colin Farrell does a lot better as a uh, quote supporting actor, which isn't to like diminish his acting abilities, but like when he can be this kind of like weird character, like he is in Daredevil, he does a lot better than having to be serious, gritty leading man. If that yeah. makes sense. I don't know if I yeah I don't see, I don't really see him as Daredevil. I do think he's a phenomenal actor, but I don't really see him as Daredevil. Um, Another cast, what if, for Bullseye, Vin Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because he's got a bald head? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only reason that they picked it. Um, and then some for Elektra. These, in my opinion, are all horrible casts where... It was 2003, a, so yeah, it was a different time. Big studios, like, oh, let's just get one of the big names. Ready? Penelope Cruz, Selma Hayek, Natalie Portman, Jessica Alba, Katie Holmes. So some of those you can see what they're doing is probably the correct move for the character. The character's last name is Nachios. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that Jennifer Garner's last <laughs> name is Nachios. Um, and so not to just do the whole compare it to the TV show thing, which we're kind of falling into that yeah. trap. But well, it's kind of has to the, char the character in the TV show or the actress they picked, um, I don't know her name, but she does a good job of, with it and, uh, you know, <laughs> doesn't 
seem she seems like her name might actually be Electra. <laughs> Honestly, that the TV show cast it phenomenal. They did such a good job on every aspect with the casting, um, because they had they had this as a template to look back on and say, you know, remember when we shit the bed with one of our greatest characters? Let's not do this. Is Marvel's Batman? This is Marvel's Batman. This oh, is their character. Yeah, no, like, well, you know, slightly more superpowers, obviously, than Batman, but the dark well, guy. He's not rich, night. though, so that's yeah, the he's best, not rich. The best superpower. He, he there's so much potential there. Although his apartment is insane. In yeah, which I he's not poor. He's not. Poor. I hated it. Well, he should be poor. He's, he's a, a district, district attorney. attorney. He's an assistant district attorney in New York. So that's a weird no, no, characterization he's a, he's a of Daredevil in the comics is they and the movies is they can't decide if they want him to be poor public defender or wealthy lawyer. And so in their mind, he, he goes back and forth between being a uh, ADA and being a PD. Like in the comics, yeah. 20 times. Yeah. He, he's worked for everything. He's done every kind of law. Apparently yeah. law doesn't require any specialization. <laughs> in this York. one, for the for the listeners at home, I am a lawyer. So he is an idol of mine. So to watch this was maybe when I changed professions. Um, no. But he is a public defender in this one. Because they talk about all the, the clients. Or he's not a public defender. He's a private criminal defense attorney. Um, so I guess he could be successful because they do have their own law firm, which was beautiful. Um, but Foggy makes the comment in the yeah. cafe that they, like in the comic books, they take on free clients. He specifically complains that they don't take yeah. clients that pay well. So he walks into a secret apartment he's got he sleeps in a bathtub which i thought was so dumb the de- sensory deprivation tank he sleeps in water every night yeah, he tries sleeping with that much hearing well he doesn't drown is what i'm saying and then he's got there's only enough water that he rests in just it. he'd be pruny i don't know he's got pruny. it's a nice place it's very nice yeah um his dad didn't leave him money so we don't know that i guess we can assume he didn't though I didn't want to just do worst scene because when you're watching some movies, because this one is so many, <laughs> there's a scene that you watch, and as you're sitting in it, you're like, "Oh, this movie isn't a good movie." Yeah. Um, couple scenes I can think of off the top of my head, and, and movies that I might otherwise like. Um, I remember most recently we were sitting there watching Fantastic Beasts, the the new one. Oh God. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this movie, but I'm not sure. And then when Black cloaks just descend on the city of Paris, I remember thinking, oh, this is a bad movie. Yeah. This is a bad movie. It was so lazy. Um, similarly, in Batman vs. Superman, which will will be mentioned again later. I'm excited to bring it up. Uh, we should do a pod on that. I, I got, I got, I got a feature for it later. But Batman vs. Superman, I'm like, I don't think I like this movie. And then there's a scene where where it's Bruce's dream, and it's like a weird dream where he's in like the Middle East, mm-hmm. and there's parademons there, and then they're in a tomb, and then he wakes up. And it's like, did you know what that means? And I'm like, I know you're foreshadowing that parademons are coming later, but like, why is that in this movie? And so, yeah, is true. there a scene in Daredevil, and I, I can think of one, we might be unanimous on this one, where you're like, oh, this is not a good movie. Yeah. Like, where's the first moment it happens, or the most significant moment that happens? Do you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. The first moment that it happens is the very beginning of the movie, because the whole movie's bad. The, as he's a kid? Well, that, that wasn't my choice, but that was, to me, so ineffective to start the movie because the kid was not a good actor. He was not compelling. The dad was a horrible actor. He had some weird face prosthetics. Okay. Strongly disagree. Well, I don't know if he's a good actor, but looks-wise, 
Jack Murdoch is the most perfect casting in the whole movie. Oh, I thought it was. He it looks was exactly like a comic book character. That's that's why I didn't like it. Okay. And again, if that's well, what this movie book. was trying, yeah, if they were it trying to be straight book. out of a comic book, then they did a good job. All right. So what what was um, seen with the kid? The... So he, he Murdoch's telling his son, "I don't want you to be a fighter. I want you to study. I want you to get in the books." And this is before Matt hit loses, the books. Hit the books. I don't. Yeah. Before he. Uh, that's a little boxer pun. Right. Before he loses his, his sight, he finds out that his dad is essentially the shakedown artist, if you will, of the local crime syndicate, crime kingpin dude. Um, and he sees his dad. He's like, Daddy, no! He had brought with him to his dad. <laughs> his dad had just said, hit the books, a report card. They, there's a shot. This, the camera zooms in. It, it falls into a puddle, and it, it just happened to be all straight A's. I thought that was so ineffective and cheesy. Um, and then he goes on to train himself, which was not effective choice. And he goes back and he fights the bullies. Yeah, not a great look for the bullies who are not just picking on a blind kid, which yeah. middle schoolers are terrible, so maybe they'd be picking on a blind kid, but trying to fight yeah. a friend who, or not friend, but a kid in their class who had just become blind in yeah. the past like year or so. They literally is knock absurd. off his glasses and they go, wow, look at his weird eyes. Yeah, absurd. It's absurd. Um, but also I, middle schoolers I, are terrible, so. Middle schoolers are And terrible. I guess it's what they had to do because you couldn't put Stick in this movie, the guy who trains Daredevil, because right. there's not enough time. But you could have just paid homage to him and brought him up in a, a story, I thought. It would have been more effective. Um so I thought that was bad from the start. So that was what hooked me and said, this is going to be a bad movie. Yeah. Um, but there's two scenes in particular, because I obviously watched it for this podcast again, and I try to give it a chance. There's two te- scenes in particular that just, my skin crawls. The first is when there's a good banter between Foggy and Matt Murdock in the cafe. The first scene, when it's one of the best scenes in the movie, because John Favreau leads it. Jennifer Gardner's Electra walks in and he smells her like Matt Murdock does and he's suave and she's not interested. He goes back to get her number because she didn't give it to him. They meet up in the park and instead of like normal human beings have a conversation, she goes like, I don't know, something along the lines of like, you got to earn my number. They do a pose and then it's almost like they're going to break into a, a dance like it was La La Land and they do this horribly awkward choreographed dance fight in the middle of a park with kids around and at the end like oh you could be you've been trained before here's my number it was just so so bad i oh it's hard to watch the second one for me is speaking of was it ever evanescence is the name of it the training montage scene it just doesn't age well wake me up it's jennifer gardner um apparently again she was trained because her parents said like trust no one which is horrible She's cutting bags of sand, and then they cut the Daredevil. He's putting his costume on the entire time. Yeah, it's not a great look for Daredevil because Elektra is like throwing daggers, and he's like, "In her living this room, this is my mask. Yeah, <laughs> allow me to place it on my face." They show him buckless pants. They, yeah, they show true. him buckless pants. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't want to. Oh, yeah, that's just paying tribute to. Uh, the Batman one? Yeah, who? George Clooney's Batman. Maybe. <laughs> the reverse butt shot Batman. <laughs> Anyways, those are my two scenes. Totally broke the movie. I'm surprised you didn't even mention my scene, which is earlier than the fight. The fight is rough. The fight is bad for a number of reasons. It's At one point, he throws his cane into the air, and it stays airborne for five oh, to God, ten yeah. seconds as he takes his jacket off. Uh, first of all, Matt Murdock, who is obsessed with keeping his identity a secret, would not break into a capoeira fight in the middle of a playground. <laughs> 
Capoeira, but keep going. Whatever. Sorry. I'm not Brazilian. Um, <laughs> I am. So, <laughs> I do. before she that, is. though, Daredevil, uh, so there's the court case, which, as you mentioned, isn't great, but it's not a bad scene. It's a, no, it, it, I, I'm a snot. I can't watch that crap. Right. It's so inaccurate. It's like, can you bring in a legal um, consultant? So it's not the scene that breaks the movie. It, for someone who doesn't go to a courtroom every day, it, it doesn't break the movie. I'm like, eh, this is fine. Um... But then he he leaves and he stalks down the guy who got off, Jose Posada. Oh yeah. Um, so the stalking is bad. The fight in the bar is not great, uh, and so it's I'm like, oh, this it's is not. To, a, it's hard to watch. Not it's a hard good to follow. Scene. Well, it, it's it suffers from too many snap cuts, which makes any fight scene look bad. Yeah. Uh, and then egregiously, he throws Jose Posada into the train mm -hmm. and lets him get run over by a yeah. train which you're the villain at that point which comes up later i'm not the bad guy i'm not the bad guy but that so that point you're like oh no this is this not is not the character at all yeah he also made a biblical reference like that yeah. light is not like daredevil not is heaven. super catholic yeah and then the but then the thing that puts it over the edge to oh no like as I was rewatching it and I was like oh no is this movie way worse than I remember yes. is Ben Urick is interviewing the police about the the crime that has shout occurred. out to Joey Pants Joey Pants <laughs> for being Ben Urick and then he he drops his cigarette in what I guess he knows is he, he sees it. lighter he, fluid he flicks it there because he had been around the scene apparently. Yeah. As Daredevil was fleeing the scene of a murder, he had time to write D D in lighter fluid. Oh wow! Perfect D D. Perfect. By the way. You, which is absurd. Like, what is happening? Like that is one of those scenes that it like makes a nice screenshot and it makes a great shot to put in the trailer for this movie. But if you take one second to think about it, you're like, why is this yeah. in the movie? You just actually had a, a great point. At that stage and in, in time, at that point in time, if this was real life and a guy dressed up as Daredevil was doing these things and he's left at the scene, every single police officer and investigator, even the district attorney's office, would be on their, off their, you know, out of their chairs looking for this Daredevil character because he just has committed murder. Right. Which <clears throat> truthfully gets to what makes the. Daredevil character so appealing to me. Daredevil is, if not my favorite superhero, certainly one of my two favorite yes. superheroes. Um, and so he has to balance the whole line of he knows what he's doing as Daredevil is kind of bad. Like, and that, that's why they introduce the scene of I'm not the bad guy because it's the whole message behind the Daredevil character. And then when he seeks penance, he absolutely yeah. knows right and wrong as a lawyer, and then he does something that is objectively wrong as Daredevil most nights. So it gets into that. That's what appeals the character to me. But, I mean, throwing a guy in front of a train and leaving him there, who... What, what, He's begging what is, for mercy. What is he accused of? What has he done that Daredevil knows he's done? Did he, did he sexually assault that yes. woman? No, he raped okay. her, right? So, yes. not good. Not, he's not a By good guy. By his line, she was begging for it. Those are all the things he was antagonizing right. the witnesses. It's, which, which is super gross. We're not defending sexual assaults I'm on just this saying, like, a jury, would, he, a jury heard that. The guy does not get acquitted. Right. That's also true. But he does get acquitted in this hypothetical. Maybe the kingpin's pulling strings because that's what's implied. Yeah. Um, not effectively but, implied. Uh, uh, no, he says thanks to the kingpin as, oh, as yeah. Daredevil's listening I to I tuned him. out so much. <laughs> um, so anyway, not a good guy. But let's go with the Batman strategy of give him to the police. 
I, I don't know. I'm torn because he's already been arrested by the police. I don't know. I, I don't like him murdering a guy in such a cold way. I don't he's, like He's him. the hero, presumably, of the movie. But at that scene, he is a villain, for I, sure. The only, the only time you root for him, and this is natural with all superheroes, there are very few superheroes, especially in the Marvel Universe, that, mur that kill even the bad guys. They kill the, the bad guys. You root for them to kill, like, Bullseye. But even then, you know, oh, they're, they want to be better than the bad guy. Like, they can't stoop down to that level because then they're, they're no different. And Daredevil was the, is the most effective character because he brings in conviction. He brings in the reverence of the Catholic Church or the Christian faith. It, like, shows you why he's so torn to do this. In that moment, the whole character goes out the window. Yeah. It's like they didn't read a comic book. They never studied the character. Why would they make that choice? It just... They it's were trying great. to reinvent the character. It's not great. Cole, yeah, I think... Uh, is there a different scene for you? Well, I mean, I, I agree with y'all's assessments. Like, I definitely believe the playground fight scene. <laughs> I, I, I will talk about cinematic choices later that I defend. Okay. That's one I think is absolutely ridiculous. Truly, the way it's shot, the way they set it up, it is the intro to a Street Fighter versus like video yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. They're standing across from each other on either ends of the screen. Their body is forward to the camera as if to like do this little side scroller fight action. <laughs> I literally asked for the graphic to come up Finish and him. fight <laughs> or start. And they even have like the kids in the background and like the environment objects you can use in Street Fighter. I know it, it looked I know like a, a lot set. of you listeners <laughs> probably don't know what that means. But Did, it looks like a video game you'd play with a friend. It looked like listening. a set though, didn't it? It looked like it the park. In, Almost no, certainly. Like, you shouldn't be able to tell, is what I'm saying. It mm. looked like in Friends, when they, where Ross and Rachel would take their little girl to the park, and you could tell, yeah. oh, they made this in a studio. It looked like the exact same set. Yeah. So, I agree. And then I also agree with... Because, I know, and you said there's not really a plot line, Mario, but there is... One of the subplots is just him deciding whether or not he's, quote, the bad guy. He's either affirming that he is, or yeah. confirming, you know, whatever. So for him to go basically two out of three murders, so he, he kills the guy in the opening scene, <laughs> he kills, or he tries to, assumingly kills Bullseye. Yeah, he didn't know that. And he does not kill Bullseye. I know, he thinks, by all things considered, he, he kills Bullseye. He's convicted of attempted murder. He had the intent to kill him. Other than Bullseye getting a scene at the end <laughs> oh, you're right. to show that he's still alive, a fall from a three-story window onto a vehicle would yeah. kill a lot of people. Maybe yeah. not him, I guess, but... He throws him out the window with no intention of his life. Yes. Then he spares Kingpin, and that's when he's now decided he's a good guy. He's like, I don't know that you get to decide after killing two that you're now good. Yeah. I, I think I need to see that done in reverse. Right. You spare the first, you, you kill maybe one in the middle, and then you spare again at the end. I will say, just to really flaunt my nerddom, the end of the Daredevil, uh, sorry, end of the Bullseye fight where he does drop him is a little bit of a hat tip to a fight between Daredevil and Bullseye in the comics. Where ah. after Dare, uh, Bullseye has, again, killed Elektra, Daredevil has the opportunity to grab him, save him, uh, from like they're fighting on like a clothes wire or something ridiculous <laughs> like that, uh, and allows him to fall. And he does break every bone in his body in the comics, which leads to a very famous comic where Daredevil breaks into his hospital room and plays Russian roulette with Bullseye. It's wow. A great, it's a great uh, issue of Daredevil. Sorry. No, 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 that's no a, that was good. I want to hear that stuff. Um, and then... And I also agree that, you know, his kid montage of training and becoming who he was with no trainer is really tough to watch also because yeah. he just says, and I decided to be fearless 
and then he skates down a rail as a kid. Oh. Like, all those things are really rough to watch. Yeah, watch. You, you were audibly laughing during the Teach My Can they're, I? They're, just, they're just funnier to watch now with, right. like, how good other movies have yeah. done the, you know, origin story portion of a, a Batman movie. Begins, for example. Yes. Exactly. Couple of, uh, I'm going to say honorable mentions because we already talked about our scenes. Okay. Well, I haven't said my scene yet. Yeah, oh, my bad. Go I ahead. Yours was the I'm fight sorry. Scene. I yeah. thought yours was the fight scene. Yeah. No, I was just I was just chiming in and agreeing yeah. with what y'all said. I think ultimately, truly, my my moment of like, as Bryce as Bryce alluded to, there's times in the movie where you go, this might be a bad movie. <laughs> and for you me, hadn't got there yet. Again, like I still enjoy the movie. I don't I don't watch it with just frustration and anger the whole time. There's parts <laughs> I laugh at that you probably shouldn't be laughing at, but the movie's not. Yeah. You know, whatever. But for me, the. <laughs> very early in the movie so it kind of has this tarantino style start where you start with basically three-fourths of the movie scene where you see daredevil just on like dire straits and then it cuts to him saying he he, he belays into the cathedral or into the church and lays down the floor and then the father comes and greets him and pulls off his mask matthew are you okay matthew talking yeah. to him all this is now being narrated by ben affleck's voice not Ben Affleck talking, just he's just talking about what he sees. And he goes, you know, they say that when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. Mask gets pulled off. You see that he has these really hazy eyes from his accident. And he goes, it's even true for a blind man. <laughs> and there's a really hard part for me to, like, swallow that cheese of the line. Yeah. <laughs> because in no way would you ever, does anybody think when you, quote, see your life flashing over your eyes that you're actually looking yeah, and seeing it? Exactly. It's, it's, it's a fabrication of your own mind exactly so that's a good one there's a really cheesy line to the end and from then i'm like all right we gotta we really gotta rein it back setting in. up thankfully the john favreau does that i for love me. that your is this a bad movie came 30 seconds into the i movie. applaud you sir um you guys you've triggered so many awesome things in my brain i have to jump in so going back to one of the inaccuracies of the movie inaccuracies we're talking about how can he afford the place he's a public defender he's an eight he is, this just blew my mind. He is, in that scene, the courtroom scene, he is the assistant district attorney because he's prosecuting this guy for rape. Then he has a private law firm where he's defending people. He is, you can't be a private prosecutor. There's no such thing. You either work for the government as a prosecutor or you're a private defense attorney. So, like I said, they've always played a little fast and loose with like what kind of lawyer Matt Murdock is. But in one movie? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. He applied for a job once and you didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so that that bothered me. There's a scene again. You have to really catch the details. When his his dad dies, right? He he doesn't fix the fight. He decides to win for Matt's sake. He gets killed by Fallon. I think was the kingpin at the time. Well, he gets killed by kingpin. Literally killed by. But yeah, Fallon. Yeah. Sets okay. Up. His dad dies in his arms, and. Never once does Matt make a promise to him. Like, Batman says, I promise, in the Batman comics line, I promised my parent I would avenge my parents and rid the city of criminals. Daredevil never does that in this movie. There's a time in the movie, it's like halfway through, when he goes, I want to, I need to fulfill my promise. I pause it, I say, wait. He, before his father dies, though, he promises that. Does he, he actually make a promise? He, he says, we made a silent promise to each other in the movie. Like, that's the line. Oh, God. The idea is that that he he does quite literally promise to his dad that he he will become a successful person, a lawyer, obviously, not just a fighter. But he said, I promise to 
clean up the streets, essentially? No, so actually what you're saying is against the Daredevil character because the Daredevil character literally promises his dad, I don't know if he says it in the movie, he promises his dad in comic books that he's going to become a lawyer. He's not going to fight because his dad's like, you don't want to interrupt yeah. me. Um, but he wants to fight because he sees his, he idolizes his dad and his dad's a fighter. But in this movie, does he ever make the promise to his dad that he's going to... He, he just says, we made each other a silent, silent promise. Okay. Yeah. Um, like two fighters on their comeback tour or something like right. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then he starts hitting the speed bag. And he's so, um, for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's really good at it. Really fast. Oh, and then, Cole, when you said like he comes down from the in the church scene, huge gripe with that. In the, in the TV show, I had to compare them. They do such an effective job as in the comic books, Daredevil takes a beating more than any other superhero because he's like a boxer, right? He takes a beating, gets up, he fights again. In the TV show, he has had his ribs broken... He said so many things, but he has the will to go on that he has to survive to fight. In the movie, he gets stabbed through the shoulder. Just the shoulder. He's dying. He's dying. He gets I in the know, church. Man. If I get stabbed and the yeah. knife comes you. off the other end, but I'm saying, it's like, it's like the meaty part of his shoulder, too. It's daredevil. I'm and done. Then, but then later on in the movie, he goes, the bullseye comes in, he says something around the lines of like, I gotta do it, Father. Isn't that what this is all about? And he's he's good. Let's just have a little faith. Have a little faith. Yeah, he's good. I'm like, Daredevil, pull that shit out and fight with one arm. He also takes a frisbee throw of a communion plate to the throat. God, it's just not. But I, somehow coughs it off. And just yeah, but <laughs> that's fine. That's not fine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's just I'm, a crushed windpipe. I'm going home after that. Crushed windpipe. Yeah, crushed Like, in the show, it does such a good job of He's beaten down, and, and he musters the strength to f carry it out. And then after he's done, he's on the ground sucking wind. Right. I'll go on record with saying my, my score has decreased to 75%. Thank God. <laughs> Mine has decreased to 8. All right, well, let's get Cole's score back up. So No. Next question. What scene sells the movie? So maybe not best scene again. I don't want to do yeah. just best scene, worst scene. But like, if you're like, all right, i got to show you this one scene to someone who's never seen the movie... What scene do you show them to convince them to sit down and watch the whole thing? All right, you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. I couldn't answer the question. <laughs> You're such um, a jerk. <laughs> so f for starters, I watched this movie and I thought, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of a really good student film on YouTube where you would watch it and the acting isn't good, there's really no plot, but you're like, wow, those kids did this? Like, that's pretty good for no budget. Like, that, that's what it felt, felt like to me. So I'm going to take that idea. And I'm going to make it my scene, which is frequently this happens, especially with Star Wars. They make a fan movie. It's 10 minutes long. And you're like, I'd watch the whole movie of that. And then you're like, no, I don't think I would. The version of that in this movie is from the moment Kingpin realizes Dare Daredevil is coming for him to the scene that cuts away, which is a very well shot scene with Daredevil's mask and the roses kind of bleeding into it. That is probably 10 minutes long. I don't know how long it is. It's good. Uh, Kingpin starts taking off his jacket, taking off his shirt. Tells, tells, Wesley, tells Wesley to send the bodyguards home. And Wesley's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you wouldn't understand. Like, this is two kids on the street. we got to settle our differences. Horrible line. They, That's a good it line. It works. Well, Michael Clark Duncan makes it I'm work. I'm from Brooklyn. He says I'm from the Bronx, actually. Whatever. Yeah. So, Yankee, so Yankee, you know. Um, <laughs> Daredevil shows up. Uh, it has Daredevil walking in. You see him in the reflection of the glass walking in behind Kingpin. Slow turn. They fight, obviously. The fight, fight was pretty cool. Fights, that's that's the best fight in the whole movie. With the water. Brutal ending. Uh, 
brutal way to finish him is to kick him in double knees. kneecap. Actually, really cool. Actually, they enjoyed that they did that for the Daredevil character. Like that was a way he would have done that. Exactly, and then obviously chooses to spare Kingpin, and then he kind of monologues at him for a little bit. I like even he throws the club away from Kingpin because he knows Kingpin would grab it and swing yeah. back up with him, and then just walks out, and then we get the shot of. The mask and the roses. That's that scene. If you showed someone just that scene, they'd be like, "Oh, I bet that movie was way good." I I could agree with that. Um, so going back to mine, I I kind of changed it because I would never recommend this movie or buy it for someone or tell someone <laughs> to buy it. Um, but I thought if I had to, if I worked for 20th Century Fox and to keep my job, I had to pitch the movie because it it was already made, and I'm like, "Ooh, we gotta get." Someone to buy the rights to whatever, however it works. I would show them. That's a good scene to show them. I would show them the scenes with Matt Murdock and with Foggy, with Favreau's acting. You're you're thinking, wow, they probably do really good character development, and they do a really good job fleshing out this relationship. Um, John Favreau is really charismatic, and they work really good together. I think this movie is going to do a really good job of capturing the character and like the realistic portions of Matt Murdock. And so that's what I would show to the exec board. Those cafe scenes really got to you there. I'm telling you, he is a good actor. I, I love John Favreau. Um, and fun fact. And a good director. Fun fact. He used this movie to curtail his push to direct Iron Man. He got in the front door of, with Marvel with this movie and he got them to let him. So thank God. He also, doesn't Elf come out in 2003? He directed Elf. Uh, is it 2003? Or, I thought it was 2006. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. That was great. Love him. What do you got, Cole? What, what, how do you sell somebody the movie? Kingpin? Okay. This one, this could be, this one, I'm, I'm, there's probably people who are going to stop listening to the podcast. Is this take on fire? This is, I'm, I'm going, I'm probably going to live alone on the island for this one. I think, I agree with your, with, your, with your sense of the Kingpin fight is, is a great scene. But again, my initial comment of what was the worst thing about the movie was kind of the combat wasn't wasn't daredevilly enough for me. The scene that does it the best to me is in the park. As, as cheesy as it starts, once they actually go to fight, I like how they fight. I like the switching back and forth between who's got the dominant hand on the inside. So I think just for combat's sake alone, I would show the scene in the park. Would you? Would you first? Would you? Would you? At least start it into the fight so that no one sees them line up and throw the cane and take his jacket off and the kids are watching. I am just... It's just hard to show that scene today. It, oh, it's if hard you to, shot that today, we'd get the same reaction. What I'm saying is it's hard. Like, if this question was, what would you show somebody in 2003? I would show that scene in 2003. Would you show them now? That scene also? I think so, or probably the Kingpin fight. I'd show them the end credits. I just, the here. Kingpin <laughs> fight is good. Here, here's my... And I know we kind of did this, but truly my, my only main issue with this movie is it feels like it's one. red light, green light, the game being put into a movie. So what I mean to say is that the scenes that like combat and fighting, all those things are compressed into like just a few minutes. You don't get to see him actually battle. And then the scenes that really don't have in, any impact on the movie as a whole are dragged out very long. So there's, there's times where I'm like ready to go to the next thing and they're still in that, you know, whatever. And then there's parts where I'm like, oh, I'm finally getting to see him fight and it's over before it's, you know, really got the chance. And so he walks in to fight Kingpin. Kingpin throws him against the wall. He kind of has to breathe heavy for a second. He knocks the sprinkler system on and then he, you know, beats him in three punches and slides and hits him in the knees. You like know, I, I need a more back and forth. 
you would you would definitely cut the scene before they walk away from the fight when they're walking down that New York uh, movie set, which also looks like they're walking down Friends Lane when they're talking about it. And I'm a blind kid in Hell's Kitchen. I had to look out for myself. How did you learn to fight? My parents said to watch my back. Well, she answers first, and she says, "My dad sent me to a different sensei every year." Oh yeah, and yeah. And he says, "What was she trying to make you some kind of warrior?" And then she says, "No, just not a victim." God, I'm into that line. Me too. And then he answers. It's such a little kid dialogue. I, every year I went to a sensei. And I will say the other the other thing too, that Bryce and I talked about when we watched it earlier, is there's just parts where they're committed to him portraying a actual blind person. And then they're also committed to him having some issues with needing to, quote, actually see. So there's scenes like where they're sitting in the cafe and he puts, you know, gives him the mustard instead of the honey. Yeah, it was a good scene. And he switches the cups. You know, he, he knows enough. He can smell it. He knows that that wasn't really honey. But then there's another scene where he fights Electro on the roof. And he's having to, like, cane through the sheets because he can't see through the sheets. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need to see. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought they did an ineffective job showing his blindness. With the, with the contacts that he wore. Um, so Charlie Cox, again, the TV show, he won an award by the Blind Association. I don't know the title of the... Of yeah, the, I'm not going to try and guess what the name no, of it is. No, I was guessing it and it was wrong. But he <laughs> won an award and he studied that. And he didn't, he didn't want to wear the contacts. So he studied how someone who's blind, how their eyes would be in normal rest, where they would look. And it's, it's so effective. It's phenomenal. So... That kind of slides us into tidbits, which okay. I'm calling this next section. I don't and know if tidbits steps on any copyright infringement. Have but you been I, to the restaurant? Downtown? Is it a restaurant? Downtown. If they make it the best chicken salad sandwich. All right. Well, now they're responding. This one is. <laughs> we'll call this section right into the, the drawer. But they this don't, is have, the a, junk they don't drawer have a Brought to you by tidbits. Um, <laughs> so this is the tidbits section. Do a show there. <laughs> um, and so this is just things I found on the internet. Feel free to add anything you found. So Ben Affleck wears the contacts. Uh, that make his eyes hazy. Uh, and apparently they actually did render Ben Affleck blind as he's acting. So that might help his performance. As you said, I do think Charlie Cox does a better job. I mean, that's still a commitment in the role. I'll give him yeah, that. Like, yeah. That's scary stuff. Um, a couple other little notes I've got here. Uh, so lots of, this was actually not internet research. I just picked up on these. Uh, lots of references to famous Daredevil creators. Um, oh, okay. The, the Fixer character, uh, when he's, Telling Murdoch to throw the fight, he says, Mila, Mac, Bendis, those are all my fighters. Oh, Michael Bendis. Brian Michael uh, Bendis. Yeah. Uh, Frank Miller famously made yeah. uh, Daredevil famous. Uh, the fighter he's fighting when he's supposed to throw the match um, on the billboard, it says Jack Murdoch versus John Romita. Uh, John Romita, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but a famous Daredevil creator San Diego as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then last, the guy who we mentioned extensively earlier who was murdered by the train his name is Jose Quesada. Uh, Joe Quesada is a big wig at Marvel oh, as well cool. and a Daredevil creator. So cool. those are kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, lots of shout outs there. It's good to get fun stuff out of a dumpster fire like that. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, this next one I think will help you understand a little bit about why the movie is the way that it is. Fox originally wanted to shoot the movie in Canada. Why? Save money. So I feel oh, like boy. if that's the starting point for the movie, that's not good. They eventually did not shoot the movie in Canada. I think they shot it in L.A., um, ben Affleck didn't want to go to Canada, apparently. Um, but yeah, so if that's if that's square one for your Marvel tentpole movie is how can we save money shooting this film? That's not a good place to start. No. Uh, movies banned in Malaysia 
for excessive violence. What? Well, fun fact I found on Wikipedia. Don't know if that How is actually true. How watered down are their movies? Malaysians, now? what do you say? Apparently, yeah. Cricket. Our Malaysian listeners, Cricket. please let me know. Um, last little thing. There is a R-rated cut of Daredevil. It's called the R-rated Director's Cut. It was released the following year, 2004. I obviously have seen it. It's good. It's good. Stop. Okay. Let's, Here's some let's, things they is add. Is it different? That it is different. They add some things. So they add more courtroom stuff to get the, oh, the Matt Murdock crap. side of things. Um, they remove a lot of the romance subplot with Elektra. Um, oh, kind of. She does look pretty good. In this slim movie. that down a little She's bit. She's beautiful in this movie. They add a really cool subplot with Coolio, the rapper Coolio. Okay. Um, where he is a drug addict. Um, there's a good scene where Daredevil has to break into a house uh, and he needs to read something that was written on a desk and he like runs his finger across the desk and like the imprint of the writing in the desk, he's able to figure out what it said. It's it's good. Impossible. I'm into it. I don't own that version of it, so we didn't watch that version of do it. Do you own a version of the movie? Of course I, I know own you a version did. I just of Daredevil. To get that on you record. all borrowed Daredevil from me to watch. Just want to get that on Thank record. Thank you, Big Bryce. Thank you. It's Thank you. It's something all of us should own because it's not on Hulu. Or Netflix. Because they wouldn't subject people to that. Or HBO Go. Here's my tiddly bits. Yeah, give me some cinephobic... Cole's got some cinematography tidbits. Get us in the tidbits. I don't claim to know this beforehand, but I am happy to share this with you now. Cinematography done by a man named Erickson Well, Cole. first, tell the listeners what you do for a living, so you have a little bit of reference. So I'm a full-time videographer. Um, vid- if vid- you want to vid- look vid- at my stuff... Uh, you can look it up. It's at Sony Studios. Um, I was going to say, is he doing a plug right now? Worked on a little film called Deadpool 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you may have seen some of my stuff in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, <laughs> Stop. Um, okay. But no, so I, I, I make videos for a living. Um, they're not all wonderful, but some of them are good. Uh, but I think it's given me you know, a, a filtering eye when it comes to looking at, at movies with that in mind. So here's what I here's what I got. So Erickson Core is the was the uh, cinematographer for this movie. Erickson Core also made some other movies as a cinematographer. As hopefully his career did not just end. He's unemployed there. now, right? So <laughs> he made the most recent Point Break. Oh God. Okay. He I made, won't see that crap. He made Invincible, the football movie. I love with, Invincible. Uh, see the, he I would love Invincible with uh, Wahlberg. Oh, I did see that. I did love that one. Yeah. And I'm yeah. most excited to share this with Bryce. He also made. Fast and the Furious. Get out! This guy is a champ. All right, you I've said one that was bad. I haven't seen now. the new Point Break. I wouldn't do that because the first one's gold. It's sacred. Wait, you you don't I think Fast and Furious is good? I have. I don't think I've ever seen the original Fast and Furious. Oh my I goodness! Know. That's a drunk door episode too, right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. So truly, we've talked about this term a couple different times of just this being a comic book styled movie. So I agree. I think a lot of what Eric does, or Erickson does in this movie is he shoots it in a way and he color grades it in a way that it looks like kind of that Sin City-esque comic book kind Ooh, of shot. yes, like exactly. There's lots of scenes you'll see where people are really poorly lit on purpose. You have people who walk through shadows on purpose. My issue with that is he does a really, really good job of doing all the dark and gloomy sides of Daredevil in the scenes that are dark and gloomy and a really, really poor job of making the normally lit scenes look like the same like it looks like two different people came in and did the yeah it's like two different movies yeah it looks like the color correction all that kind of stuff was done by two different people from the scenes where they're fighting in the park and it's bright daylight the scenes where they're just walking on the street and it's bright daylight and the colors are vibrant too right and then you have scenes like the boxing match where like he's like you can tell he like almost is like looks like he has like even like outlines around his face like his dad like looks like it's almost kind of like drawn a little bit 
Um, and so there's a lot of what he did that I really, really thought he did a good job of. But then at the same time, I think there's a continu continuity issue for me with like, good point. either go all the way out on making it comic book style or don't. And again, I think part of that was a product of the time. They didn't know what they wanted, really. They wanted it to make a little more grittier. Spider-Man was so successful, the original Spider-Man, that they wanted to keep that... Because if you watch the original Spider-Man, it feels comic booky, But yeah, they do sure. it... Raimi shot it well, though. Mm -hmm. um, but this is like, let's do that, but also let's make it gritty. Yeah, um, they couldn't decide what they wanted to do tone, which is... The biggest problem with many superhero movies that don't work, uh, we've talked about Suicide Squad before, uh, not on the pod, but in general, that's our critique of Suicide Squad, that's our critique of Venom, is they don't know what kind of movie they're going to be. It's a little bit true of Daredevil. I wouldn't say it's not as true of Daredevil as it is those other two movies I just mentioned. Um, so my tiddly bits on the pod. Um, I got a quote from Ben Affleck after the movie was made. So this is a sign... This should be a wake-up call to the listeners when the star of the movie says he would never do this movie again. He would never do a movie like this again. Wearing a costume was a source of humiliation for me and something I would never, I would never do again. If you enjoy the movie, the, the, these Marvel actors and the Marvel movies now, they, I don't want to say they, they look like they love it, and if they don't look love it, because I'm sure shooting them all is exhausting with the green screens, they will put on the facade that they enjoy being a part of what Marvel is. This guy just freaking trashes it right away. <laughs> I am Not everybody so Holland. glad that you yeah. mentioned that. Because he goes on freaking down the cape. Because I almost forgot this quote that I have been saving for just this moment. So, <laughs> we're going to read this and we're all going to laugh. All right. After the film was released and was criticized, so similarly Ben Affleck did criticize it. Except for Roger Ebert. Ben Affleck, well, he thought it was as good as The Godfather 2. God. <laughs> Is that the direct quote or just the same rating? No, it's the same rating. Okay. He gave both movies three out of four. Um, anyway, so Ben Affleck said that the film inspired him to take on the role of Batman in Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, saying, that's the movie I want to do. I want to be part of that. Part of it was I wanted for once to get one of these movies and do it right. <laughs> to do a good version. I hate Daredevil so much. He says that. <laughs> but can we talk about Batman vs. Superman, which yeah. is a way worse movie. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I'm I glad he got so. to do it right. No, Batman vs. Superman is... It's a bad movie, but I think I'd rather rewatch that one. It's more incoherent. In, in my watching of the movie, yes. it's more incoherent. But... Anyway, when, when did he say this? Uh, it must have been as he's promoting Batman vs. Superman. Okay. I'll pull up a date. Remember that sad interview he gives with Henry Cavill? Uh, 2017. So after Batman vs. Superman came out. I yeah. Guess. So he, he does not think it was a bad movie, apparently. He's, he's proud of his work on Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. Stan Lee, also, fun fact, tidbit. Stan Lee did not like it. Oh. So sounds about right. Stan Lee didn't like it, and he said it was too, uh, too, too serious or too brutal or something like that. Stan Lee just... Never mind. I want yeah. Pete Stanley. Uh, Anyways. All right. So, as we uh, slide into our last category here, uh, and I call it Who Dodged a Bullet and Who Took It on the Chin, which is inspired by uh, the Daredevil boxer themes and dodge bullet themes of Daredevil. But basically, so as we do these mm. junk drawer movies. To the hat to you, Bryce Howell. Uh, Bryce McDowell Howell. <laughs> it's always interesting for me to see career wise for the people involved in creating the movie. Yeah. Like, who escaped from this movie? relatively unscathed and who like whose career took a hit 
yeah. from this movie. So uh, we could just go down the list. Uh, obviously, the director did okay. He went on to direct several other superhero movies, so they trusted him. He's yeah. involved in making other superhero movies. I just listed his directing credits. They're bad, though. Um, he Ghost is involved Rider. in uh, both Ghost Rider movies, so he got a sequel oh. out of that. He's also involved in uh, Elektra, so he definitely has... So he did. He directed four of the worst comic book movies his, ever. His most recent movie, though, he did the Christopher Robin movie. So I did enjoy that. Oh, wait. Was that the one with... Ewan McGregor. Okay, yeah. That one I did really enjoy. So... Um, as far as like hurting his career though, I guess not. This movie yeah. did not hurt his career at all. Um, they just needed someone to direct trash and they gave it to him most of the time. Uh, Ben Affleck, what do you think? Did Ben Affleck's career suffer for this movie? Um, actually, yeah, I had him as taking it on the chin. He, I think he took the biggest hit. I think, um, he tried to, he became typecast as someone who ruined his career doing this movie. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this it's difficult to remember now because Ben Affleck's kind of on top of the world, or, or he's doing well. Um, but like this was his career swoon with this movie coming out. That what's the movie called? Geely is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, same with year. Jennifer, these movies uh, both with come out. Um, he doesn't get totally destroyed for his acting in this movie, but uh, his career definitely swoons. I do think he fits the take it on the chin. He he doesn't really rebound until Argo, which is like oh yeah, his he becomes five, ten a, years after a six. Oh, is it Argo or the town comes first? I think. I'm not sure. Argo's, I think it's Argo's 2012. Yeah, I think it's the town. Okay, but Which, yeah, yeah, so he, he does get a comeback, but it, the it's town's 2010. It's a, it's a few years of a swoon before he comes back. Uh, Jennifer Garner's career. How does how does she do after this? I mean, I, she, has, I she know, doesn't honestly. do much. She just she does she 13 really... going on 30. That's all I know. Which oh, is a fun. I mean, that's 13 a f- going on 30 is a great. Yeah, movie. it's a fun movie. I um, ride with 13 going on it's 30. It's a simple. Forever. It's a simple movie. Nothing. You know, there's no levity to it. So it doesn't seem like it hurt her because she God. makes her best movie immediately after. This. She got Electra out of it. So yeah, like, she, she does did great. well enough. Which I don't know how she survived a knife to the chest, the sternum. Yeah. So I will. Sorry, I just re- remembered that I saw a movie on Netflix that Ben Affleck's in called The Accountant. Mm-hmm. It's oh, I haven't good. seen it. Or, with Matt maybe, James. Maybe oh wait, good. no, I love that movie. But yeah, that is him doing combat well. Yeah, he's yeah. like um, kind of autistic in a way, in a but sense. He, yeah, essentially, he uses that. Yeah, as a gift with uh, John Brenthal as his brother. Yeah, plays Punisher. Yeah. Oh yeah, I liked that one. It was good. It was, it was, sorry, it was that's um, So, last person, Marvel Studios at large. How'd they do after this? I mean, they. So I read online they were going bankrupt. Actually, so they had to sell off their properties, so they weren't doing well. Well, that's what they—that's what got them into losing so many properties to Fox and Sony. Oh, okay. That's, I apologies. think that's before this. Yeah. Um, how do they do after this? Not great. The list of movies that came after this—they don't hit their stride. Marvel Studios until Iron Man. Right. But I think they put out two really good. One of which I considered still the best. One of top three best comic book movies, which is Spider-Man 2. Um, they put that out before they, you know, as they were with Sony. Uh, but I don't think, I think this hurt them. Yeah. Because they it, lost credibility. And of course we know Marvel Studios officially doesn't make a movie until 2008's Iron yeah. Man. But <clears throat> we just mean Marvel's movie apparatus, yeah. including movies that were made by Sony and Fox. And yeah, I think, I think that's right. Because they don't really hit it out of the park. Well, Spider-Man 2 comes out shortly after this. Considered one of the better superhero movies yeah. ever made. But and I think Fabro has the most most growth from this point on. Oh yeah. Like he does really, really well. From Elf here on did out. come out the same year. So three also. Yeah, he directed wow. Elf. Uh he just has a great he's one of he's one of the best directors 
now in Hollywood. Like he's phenomenal. And so uh, and I, I I'm really on a Favreau high right now. Well, so it's like I see Favreau going up. I see Ben Affleck taking a hit for a while, and then like Jennifer Gardner and Colin Farrell both just. I don't know, they just kind of stay around the same level. You know, Colin Farrell, I always felt like he was on the cusp of becoming A-plus talent. He was one role away, and he'd have a really good performance, even if it wasn't his lead, and then he'd do a movie like Daredevil. And then he'd have a really good performance, and then he'd do a movie like, uh, what's the Bone one? Booth. Or what's the one where it was a remake of the Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, Total Recall? Which I actually enjoy. It's one of my guilty pleasure movies, but yeah. it did Minority not... Minority Report? No, that's no. Tom Cruise. Don't <laughs> desecrate the Cruise. Um, but he, yeah, he just can never find his stride. And um, Kevin Feige, who is the architect of the entire Marvel is universe, he a producer on this. He is a producer on this. He is involved oh, in this movie. He's not officially listed, but um, he is listed yeah. later in the Wikipedia page. So you know who else dodged a huge some... bullet? Who? Guy Pierce. They asked him to be Daredevil first, and he said I think no. Guy Pierce is good as Daredevil. Wow. He uh, he would said he would never do comic book movies. That wasn't his thing. Huh. He would go to change his mind because Iron Man three. They ruined the Mandarin character. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's a fu- that'd be a fun pot. <laughs> Iron Man three. I'll say that's yeah. a bad movie. I could say it confidently. Wait a minute. You think that's worse than this? I think when it comes out, it is. Like I look at Iron Man three in the era, in the context and, of the, the context. Movies that came okay. Out. All right. That's interesting. It. That's interesting. It, it took a bigger. Dive. You're right. This didn't have too much to compare to. Right. Okay. It still benefits from being an early early comic book movie before yeah, yeah, it yeah. became as popular as right. now. Yeah, if this came out now, it wouldn't get picked up. It wouldn't get made. It, they would laugh and they'd be like, oh, I guess we're not making the movie. Side note, just, this is truly tangent right here. Just in general, the animated movies that like Warner Brothers and all them yeah. make are all really good. Oh, I've heard that. They're phenomenal. The DC yeah. movies? Yeah, when yeah. they just get to make one that's yeah. actually just you know drawn and animated, actually animated, those yeah. movies are good, by the way. Side to side. <laughs> those all existed before, yeah. too, but yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, are we forgetting anything else? No, I think we covered it. I can't believe we... Uh, what an honor to do this movie. All right. And always on Junk Drawer, we outro like this. I was just going to oh, quote the great Daredevil by saying... I was say, do we have something? Justice is served. God. And if I could drop the mic, I would. <laughs>